have a seat. Every campus, we want to say hello to all of our locations, everyone joining us online. Come on, church, let's put our hands together. Thank everybody that's with us today. And if you're back from last week, Easter, what an incredible week in that we had at every location and um, our family churches had great reports from Kentucky and Germany and just God moving all across the church. One thing I want to celebrate is 241 people said yes to Jesus last week across the church. And um, so, man, that is worth celebrating. And uh, I'm so excited to get into the message today. So, hey, why don't you pray with me? Father, we open our hearts and minds. We want to hear from you. And so we ask that you speak to us. May we never be the same because of it. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. 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 I know summer's coming and uh, almost upon us, and we're going to be vacationing. And uh, I imagine there'll be a lot of sandcastles being built. I was thinking about this. I don't know what it is. Like kids are born knowing, like knowing how to, you know, roll their eyes and knowing how to build sandcastles. Like you see sand, you're supposed to build a sandcastle. And here's the thing with my kids. Like we, we build, you know, we try to build these massive forts and sandcastles. And here's what always happens is you go back to the same spot of the beach the next day and the sandcastle is what everybody it's, it's gone. Why? Because high tide came in and it rushed it out. And so you build it, but you know, it's going to be gone the next day. And I was thinking about this in our life is that sometimes we build things, but we don't spend a lot of time on how to sustain things. That, that we, we, we want to build the career, we want to build the education, we want to build the financial portfolio, we want to build the marriage, and, and we give so much energy and so much effort to building something, but a lot of times we don't think about sustaining something. I uh, say it this way, that we think about building success, but we don't always think about sustaining success. And um, I want to teach you today, a little less preach, a little more teach, um, and uh, I'll just be real honest, I got really tired. And I'm getting really tired of seeing friends blow their life up. And I'm sure you know that. I'm sure you know someone that you're like, wow, did you know that they're no longer together? Wow, did you know that they blew their career up? Wow, did you know that, let's be real frank, it's all over the news. Did you know that pastor fell again? And that church is going, and I just, I'm so tired of seeing that. And I think it's epidemic in some way in the lives of everybody. And so even if you're here and you don't know God and you're not sure about church, I'm gonna give you some things today that I think will help you. And it's gonna come from God's word. And if you open your heart, open your mind. And so this, this journey began earlier in the year in January, I read a book called um, The Enemies of Excellence. And it's a horrible title. It has nothing to do with excellence. Um, it has, it's just, somebody needed help branding the book, but it has everything to do with self-sabotage has everything to do with how people destroy their life. This guy's a leadership coach and um, a believer, and he coaches leaders all across the country. And he saw leaders that were falling, and he saw common denominators in their life uh, every time. And so he wrote this book. And and so what I want to give you today is um, five steps that are steps into self-sabotaging. 
Because a lot of times what happens is it's not a wave, it's not high tide that comes in and wipes out your sandcastle. Most of the time, what happens to us, we weather pretty well. The loss of a job, the bad financial report, the, the bad health report, we weather those things pretty well. But often what happens is the enemy within is the one that gets us. It's the one that we look at in the mirror every day. It's our own choices, it's our own habits. And so I wanna talk to you today about how to defeat the enemy within. If you're a note taker, you're going to write some things down. If not, you're going to want to write some things down. And uh, this is the title, How to Defeat the Enemy Within Today. And so I want to walk you through the steps that this guy, Greg, I can't say his last name, it's a long Italian name, um, says are the steps in. But then I want to give you how scripture teaches us that we can get out. Because here's the deal. If you can step into it, you can step out of it. And there's good news today. And I think all of us should take a moment to evaluate where in our life are we stepping towards self-sabotage. If you're with me, say amen. All right, number one is this, as you write your notes down, I know all of you great note takers. Number one is this, he said that number one, it begins with ego. And this shouldn't surprise us, um, that it begins with, with kind of self-centeredness. And, and there is a lie that we believe at this level, and this level is this, is that I know best. It's, it, this is the beginning of heading down a road where your life blows up, where you're making choices you never thought you would make, where you're doing things you never thought you would do, where you're going down paths you never thought you would go down. It begins at this level of ego where self is the highest thing, where, where you begin to build life around what's good for me, not what's good for others, where, where you begin to make decisions around how does this benefit me? How does this come to me? How Me, me, I, I, I. And here's the danger in this is that often it's not overt at first, it's just mental. And so you still walk in and do what you're supposed to do, but in your heart you're going, well, what's in this for me? You still serve on an outreach day, but you're like, oh, this doesn't benefit me. And it begins as little, little thoughts in your mind. And the Bible says this in Proverbs, we've probably heard this verse, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But within the humble, there's wisdom. It begins as a little seed in there. It begins as, as, as leading an organization and going, well, they're all here to make my thing happen. Instead of going, no, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That we're servant leaders, that we're, it, it begins, because here's what I really believe. I, I've, I've really only given this talk in front of leaders. I started in January giving it. I gave it to our staff. I've given it to pastors at a thing I was in in Florida. But I think that all of us are leaders, whether we're a single a mom, stay-at-home mom leading a family and helping lead or home, or we're leading on a job. All of us are influencing somebody, and it can begin with just little thoughts of how does this, these kids, they don't, they're not doing anything for me. I'm picking up after them. I'm doing their laundry. I'm making their lunches. And it just begins as this little, little thing of ego, of, of pride, of what is in it for me. And that step is the first step to blowing up our lives. Number two, and this doesn't seem very spiritual, but it's life mismanagement. And the lie that we believe here is, I'll get to it later. 
This doesn't seem like a big deal. Some people are like, well, I'm just not organized or I'm just not a type A person. And we think that, that managing our life is a personality trait and, and that it's just for those who are a little OCD or those, but, but this is a very spiritual thing because God blesses order. And when your life gets out of order, then you begin making decisions that you never otherwise would have made. It's, it's this, it's, and, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody and I'm not trying to lay legalism here in my heart on anybody, but I'm just trying to give you a context or mindset for this. It's binging Netflix till one in the morning and going, wow, I'm not gonna do that again until you do it the next night and the next night. Are you following me? And I'm not even talking about the content that's coming into your head. That's another message. But it's, 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 and then you wake up sluggish and you wake up tired and, and then your morning routine is out of whack and your evening routine. And then there's no time to read God's word and there's no time for prayer. And it's, it's, it's violating and not having a date night. It's not investing in the friendships that are valuable into your life. And everything gets out of order and chaotic. And you begin to tell yourself that no one understands your life. And this is just how your schedule is. Well, I own the business. Well, I, I have a lot of responsibility and, and I've got to do that. It's working till nine at night and then again at morning. It's, it's stay at home work. It's, it's remote work has now turned into 12 hour days where it used to be you got there and did an eight or nine hour day. And so life is out of order and you're mismanaging life and you're not thinking through, you're not owning your week. Your week is owning you. I, I promise you, this isn't self-help. This is, this is like steps to blowing up your life, and my pastor says this, it's easier to prepare than it is to repair. And I would rather you be on the prepare side than the repair side of having to fix that your kids don't know God and they're living a life that you don't approve of and your marriage is out of whack because you've just mismanaged things in your life. Proverbs 13, 16 says this. It says, wise people think before they act. In other words, they have a plan. In other words, they think through it. Fools, they don't. And they even brag about their foolishness. If this isn't our culture. We almost wear a gold medal that we have no time for anything. We think busyness equals effectiveness. We think the more we have on our schedule, the more we are. And the Bible says, no, no, no. Wise people think, think before they act. Uh, the, the scripture talks about again, this idea that, that you count the cost before you build a building. That, that you know how much it costs, what's it going to cost me to say yes to my kid playing that sport on top of the other one? I'm going to think before I, are y'all following me? Uh, what's this going to cost me to take this promotion and travel this many days out of the month? Is it worth the time? It's, is the money worth the relational withdrawal it's going to cost me in my, uh, my life? And so things begin to get mismanaged and life is chaos and there's stress and there's pressure and this is what it leads to is it leads to indulgence. It's the excess, it's the overuse of something in your life. And, and this, the lie that we tell ourselves is this, is I deserve it. And so here's how this domino works. I know best, and because I know best, I know how to manage my life. 
Don't anybody tell me how to do it. But because my life is mismanaged and I got so much pressure, then I find something that is an outlet and it may not be sin at first, but it could turn into sin. And so I say that, no, I deserve that. I deserve the extra glass of wine or three. (laughs) Depending on the day. Are y'all fine? Like my marriage and my wife is cold to me. I deserve the pornography. And so, so we begin to tell ourselves, we, we sell ourselves this lie. Well, I deserve some little things in my life like this because no one understands my life. They don't understand the weight I carry, the job, the responsibility, the children. All, they don't understand the school. They don't understand the stress and the pressure. They don't understand what I'm leading. They don't understand the numbers and the budget I'm responsible for. And so I need an outlet. I deserve this. I deserve the binge. I deserve the indulgence. I deserve, and what starts technically as the Bible says, says not illegal may not be helpful. I love the way the message says this in 1 Corinthians 6. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. Man, isn't that great? How would that help us? If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my own whims. What a great word by the Apostle Paul. Just because it's technically legal. Well, I'm not, it's not going to send me to hell. But is it spiritually appropriate? Is it helpful in your life? Is it making you more like Christ? Is it causing you to love your family more passionately? Is it causing you to be more in the image of Christ? Are you following me? Just because it's technically okay. Paul says, although all things are permissible, they're not all beneficial. Is it beneficial in my life? And so then because we have indulgences and usually what happens with indulgences is we hide them from people and we tell ourselves they just don't understand my life. And if they understood my life, they'd be okay with it, but they're kind of fuddy-duddy, so they're not gonna be okay with it. So I need to hide it from them and then hiding leads to isolation. And the lie we tell ourselves here is this, I can do it on my own. Listen to what Proverbs 18 says. This is a great warning. It says, the one who separates himself seeks his own desires. Listen to this. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. The one who separates himself, the one who isolates himself. This is why you should always be concerned whenever a friend, whenever a child, whenever, whenever anyone begins to create distance between them and healthy relationships because they will buck and they will disregard all sound wisdom. And isolation is a step. It's the step before the final step, which is self-sabotage. And the lie we tell ourselves here is, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault, but it's not my fault. And at that point, any moment, we can make the decision that we thought we would never make. And you and I know too many people doing that right now. Now, that seems very depressing, (laughs) but here's the good news. The good news is this, is that if there are steps into it and you have not yet sabotaged your life, then you can find out where you are and step back out of it into grace and into freedom, right? And so how do we step out of it? I want to give you a few thoughts that, um, that I wrote down and, uh, and I think these will, these will be helpful to you. 
If I'm gonna fight ego, then step number one, are you with me? Step number one is this, if I'm gonna fight ego, is I'm gonna live an other's first life. I'm just gonna have to determine that I'm gonna live an other's first life. And this is not our natural go-to. This is, uh, God needs to help us with this to determine I'm gonna live an other's first life. I'm not gonna live a me first life. I'm not gonna live a self-centered life, but I'm gonna live an other's first life. It's a declaration I'm gonna have to make every day. Philippians chapter two, the apostle Paul wrote, do nothing, everybody shout nothing. nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is our family verse, y'all. I've told you that before. I'm like, if I could get my kids to embrace this one verse, um, I'll be doing good as a dad. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of, everybody shout it with me, the interest of what? Of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He, come on everybody, Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross and therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. If we're gonna step out of self-sabotaging, we have got to determine that, that one of our, our, I would make it your daily declaration is, I'm gonna live in others first life. I'm gonna live in others first life. Here's what another's first life does for you. It gets your eyes off of self and gets your eyes onto the needs of others. And others first life will create humility in you, which is produced through gratitude. Gratitude is the gateway drug to humility. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Can I say that in church? <laughs> Gratitude is the pathway to humility, why? And service is the gateway to gratitude, why? Because as I serve the needs of others, then I all of a sudden realize how good God has been in my life. I realize the blessing of God in my life. I realize the kindness of God in my life. As I get my eyes on others, I realize, man, I've got it a lot better than I think I do. And all these things I'm complaining about, maybe I shouldn't be complaining about. Because even on my worst day, there's someone else that is having a, a more worse, whatever the proper grammar is, a more, a worser, a more worse, they're, they're going through it better than I'm going through it. And, and God's been faithful to me. And so gratitude creates humility. And as I serve the needs of others and I, I live in others first life, I realize that life isn't about me. And so I don't get up looking for how can you serve me? How can the employee take care of me? How can the church meet my needs? How, and I'm not saying people shouldn't be cared for and loved. I'm just saying that if we, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you is what the Bible says. Because some of us walk through life thinking, but if I don't get my own, if I don't look out for me, if I don't take, no, no, no. The Bible says what I make happen for others, God will make happen for me. Whatever I sow into the life of others, I'll reap into my life. And so if I determine I'm gonna live in others first life, that even if I'm hurting, I'm gonna serve, that even if I'm without, I'm gonna give, 
that even if I'm anxious, I'm gonna pray peace over somebody else. Why? Because the Bible teaches me that what I make happen for you, then God will make happen for me. Not you will make happen for me, God will make happen for me. And so I'm gonna live another's first life. This is why a dream team is so important. This is why I think the happiest people in the church are the people that are serving. Because they get it. They get an other's first life. There's a joy about them. How is it that they walk in with a smile on their face hauling a trailer at five in the morning? (laughs) Because we found a secret that when you live others first, when you fill up others, when you refresh others, the Bible says you yourself will be Refresh. This is why we talk about all the time, get on a dream team, go through the growth track, find out your purpose. Why? Because most people are walking through life, never understanding why they were put on the planet. And so they live a me first life and a self and they think life is all about what can I get? What can I attain? What? No, no, God puts everything in your hands so that you can be a blessing into the lives of others. And as you sow, you will reap. And as you refresh, you will be refreshed but it begins with living another's first life. Number two declaration we're gonna make, and we're gonna make these every day, is this, I will live with personal priorities and self-discipline. I know people hate that word, it's one of my favorites. I will live with personal priorities and self-discipline. The apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. But pastor, I was taught that I should just be able to do what I feel and if it feels right, do it. Paul seemed to tell us that your body will wanna do dumb things and that you're gonna have to discipline. The the scripture uses the word your flesh. It's that part of you that doesn't wanna forgive. It's that part of you that doesn't want to serve. It's that part of you that doesn't want to be generous. It's that old, Paul talks about the old nature in you. It's that old person that before Jesus, before you said yes to him, it's that person that never would have let somebody over in traffic. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to get this like down on the bottom shelf. It's that part of you that never would have served on a mission trip. It's that part of you that would have thought, what is in this for me? Paul says, I have to put that person under control. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to put that person under control. And he says this, lest after preaching, and some of you are saying, well, I don't preach. Well, your life is a message. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What a tragic story that I would preach the gospel for 40 years and then disqualify myself at the time before I meet Jesus. Paul said, no, the way I keep from doing that is I keep my body disciplined. He's not talking necessarily about your diet and your workout routine. Come on, somebody. It helps. But he's talking about, I discipline some things. I discipline the way I think. I discipline my mind. I don't let my flesh run wild. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out of self-sabotaging. If life mismanagement is the, on the pathway to blowing up my life, then having personal priorities and self-discipline. And here's the difference in the two. Priorities is what I know I should do. Discipline is the management of my priorities. And so some of us, we have no problem setting priorities. We set them every January. This is my year. It's the year of breakthrough. This is my year to best me. The, all the things that we say, all the, all the little cute little Instagram quotes. But we don't have the self-discipline to manage those priorities. So we live this year the same as last year. And it looks no different than five years ago. 
Because self-discipline says, if I set a priority to get up, open God's word, pray and worship every morning, discipline says, when the alarm goes off, I'm standing up. I'm gonna go to the coffee maker. Get my coffee. I'm gonna sit in the chair, open, or I'm gonna stand. If I think I'll fall asleep, I'm gonna open the word of God. That is discipline, is the management of the priority. Are you following me? If we said I'm making being in God's house every Sunday a top priority, then discipline is the management of that. It means I'm gonna set out my clothes the night before. I'm gonna not schedule things late on Saturday night. I'm gonna actually get up, are y'all following me? And I know this like, this doesn't seem so spiritual. Well, the Bible says this, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So a lot of us have knowledge, but we have no wisdom because we don't apply it. Is this, okay, let me calm down. I'm teaching you today. And so I'm gonna set priorities. I'm gonna have a date night with my spouse because in 10 years, I still wanna be married. I'm gonna get away a few days without the kids and just focus on us. I'm gonna have conversations that are face to face, not side to side in a car or running past each other in the kitchen. I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna look in your eyes and I'm gonna go, how am I doing? Loving you, encouraging you, serving you. Why? Because I'm I'm gonna do the things that are not sexy consistently because consistency compounds, not just in your financial portfolio, but in your relationships, in your walk with God, in your health, in every area of your life. Are you following me? Because it is easier to prepare than it is to repair. So let me give you a really, really practical thing. Let me give you a very practical, like, I don't want you to feel too much like you're in a seminar, but I think this is super spiritual, honestly. Some of you should sit down today and write out what does your ideal week look like? What's the ideal week? It may not always happen because things come up, but do you know your, I could tell you right now, I won't walk you through it. I could tell you what an ideal Monday to Sunday looks like in my life, what time I get up, how much time I spend with God, what my prayer life looks like, what my time with Tammy look like, what my investment in my children look like, how much time am I on, how much time am I reading? How much time am I studying? How much time am I meeting with people? How much investment am I making into friendships and real life? I could tell you my ideal week and I don't always hit it, but I have a goal. Are you following me? And that ideal week and the discipline to live by those priorities helps my life stay managed well. And it keeps me away from the edge of self-sabotage. Are you following me? If you're with me, say amen. Number three. Number three, I'm just warning you, all right? I will raise my standards. Let me, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And I know this may sound a little old school, but here's what I found about Christians is the longer you walk with God, the more comes off your list of what you don't do. Well, I've got freedom now, pastor. 
So I can indulge in that. I can, if I'm gonna, let me ask this. When is the last time you added something to your list of what you're not gonna allow in your life? It's quiet in this Methodist church. (laughs) When's the last time you said, it's not sin, but it's not helpful. And so I'm raising my standard. That show isn't sin, but I'm not sure it fills my spirit right. So I'm not gonna watch it. Let me help y'all, all y'all. All All the news you ingest. When's the last time you said, I'll give it 10 minutes a day, I'll get the headlines, but I'm not letting it be a steady diet into my life because it's not good for my soul. Are you following me? When's the last time you said, I'm gonna delete the social apps off my phone so that they're not accessible to me all the time. I'll check them for five minutes one time in the morning and five minutes one time. Is this, am I getting your world too much? <laughs> When's the last time you raised the standard? When's the last time you said, I'm putting up all the guardrails? Does, the, the, does somebody have all the passwords of your phone? Can they look at every direct message? Can they, can they look at every text? Does your spouse have your location? Like, are y'all following me? Like, well, that's just, I'm private. I'm a grown man. I can do what? No, no, we're just getting as far away from the ledge as we possibly can because the enemy within wants to defeat you and we're not gonna let that happen in our lives. Are y'all following me? Pastor, you really live that way? Yes. Tammy's got the location, you know, from my... My phone's always with me. She knows where I'm at. She can look at any message, anything. I don't care. Look at it all. Are you following me? I don't travel alone. Are y'all following me? Like, I, I, why? I'm staying away from the ledge. I'm going to pass through this church the rest of my life. Then I'm going to retire and play golf every day. Are y'all following me? Like, I'm going to stay married the whole thing. I'm finishing the race. I am running the course God's put in front of me. And every one of you can as well. And my prayer for you is that. But you can't do that if you live right on the ledge, messing around, playing games with your life. Because the enemy within will win. Let me give you one more thought. This is the final one. If isolation is the last step before self-sabotage, then authentic relationships is the antidote. I'm talking about authentic relationships. And this is one I don't know that I've really learned until my late 30s, early 40s. I'll be real honest with you. Because I'm not a kumbaya guy. I'm not a let's sit around and share our emotions guy. I'll be real honest. Like Tammy has all the feelings. I'm 100% cerebral. <laughs> Are y'all following me? No, this, she, she's very cerebral and like she's the great mix, not me. I'm just like, dry it up. <laughs> let's move along people. <laughs> but finding authentic relationships where you honestly take the mask off and you have some people that aren't impressed with you. This, it's taken me a while to get to this place, but it's been one of the most healthy things in my soul is to have people that care less about what I do, but they care a lot about who I am. 
It's why we stress small groups. New summer semester will be starting up. Why? You need some places where you take the mask off and you have to intentionally invest in those. They don't just come. You're just not going to be in your prayer closet and all someone's going to show up and be like, let's be best friends and we can be honest and authentic with it. It's not happening. It takes time. It takes investment. It takes going after it. It takes intentionality. And it is the antidote to isolation. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says this, two are better than one. You can't do it on your own. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their toil. Because you can get more done with two people than one. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But listen to this. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. In other words, you're in a scary place. You know why? Because an isolated person is a dangerous person. The, the scripture goes on to say, again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And he gives these different metaphors. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two can't, will withstand him. In other words, are you gonna get in a fight? Make sure a buddy's with you. <laughs> That's what the text is saying. I'm just... <laughs> A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Well, pastor, I got me and Jesus. Ecclesiastes says you need you, Jesus, and a friend. I'm not saying Jesus isn't enough. I'm just saying Ecclesiastes saying three of you can't be broken. In other words, you need authenticity here and you need authenticity here to live this life. This is why we stress getting in a small group. It's not because we're you know, trying to fill some quota. We're trying to keep you away from the ledge. Because there's gonna come a time when you need to be warm and you need somebody. And there's gonna become a time when you fall because we all mess up and you're gonna need somebody. And woe to him who falls and is alone. And I want every one of you, you need to stay in the game. You know why? Because your family needs you and your children need you and the church needs you and your communities need you and business owner your employees need you they need a model they need an example students we need you to not sabotage your life you can listen to me you can live life loving Jesus planted in the house of God all the days of your life you don't have to have a story of tragedy and trauma. And if you've been there, the grace of God is wonderful and his mercies are new every morning. But I'm telling you, you can step back from the ledge and not sabotage your life. You can defeat the enemy within, but you're gonna have to live another's first life. You're gonna have to serve others. You're gonna have to have priorities and the discipline to manage those priorities. You're going to have to set standards and guardrails and go, I won't go this far. I'm not telling everybody else what to do, but for me in my house, like I'm not, I got a standard. I'm setting it. Let me be different. Let the world pick on me. Let them say at the job, like, man, you won't, you're holy. No, no, no. I just got to stay. I'm just trying, I'm trying to go the distance. 
I'm trying, to, I'm trying to live life well. I'm trying to get to the funeral and them actually be able to say true things about me and not make up lies about me. Like, are you following? Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to love Jesus all the days of my life. And you gotta have authentic relationships. So you can do it. You can defeat the enemy within. Do you receive the word today? This helpful. Hey, let's pray together. Every location, even online, if you would bow your head, close your eyes. You know, the way you defeat the enemy within is those steps, but those steps are only possible when you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the gift that God gives us when we get saved, when we say yes to Jesus. And maybe some of you are here today and you're thinking, Pastor, I I see myself in those steps. I see my ego out of control. I see my life mismanaged. I see myself going down that path. I have indulgences that nobody knows about. And I just want you to know there's good news for you today. Like you, can, you can step out of it. And maybe you're thinking, I've tried to over and over. I've tried to fix it. And it's just cycle after cycle. And I would propose to you that you'll never do it in your own strength, but you can do it with the help of the spirit of God. And today you can receive that gift of God's help. You can receive the gift of a brand new beginning. The Bible says that we've all sinned, we've all blown it. We've all messed up in different ways, but the gift of God is eternal life and it's found in Jesus. And so if you're here today and you'd say, I need, I need a fresh start, I need a new beginning. And in just a moment, we're gonna pray together as a church. We never end a service without giving you the opportunity to respond to the gospel. That word simply means good news. And what's the good news? The good news is your sins can be forgiven. The good news is you don't have to try to earn your way into heaven that Jesus already paid the price. The good news is that you don't have to live this life trying to do it in your own strength, that you can have a supernatural power that gives you the strength to live the life that God intended for you to live. And so in just a moment, we're gonna to pray together as we do every week out loud. No one is gonna pray alone, but I'm gonna ask you to slip up your hand in a moment. I'm gonna to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to shoot your hand up high enough, long enough for me or your campus pastor to see. No one's gonna to come to you. No one's looking around. No one's gonna, we wouldn't embarrass you for the world. It's between you and God. But if that's you today, you'd say, pastor, that's me. I need a fresh start. I need the help of God in my life need a new beginning. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, if I were to ask you, are you a Christian? You'd say, yeah, but it's because your mom was and your dad was and your grandparents, but it's never been real for you. It's just a label. Then this moment is for you. Today's your day to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says, if anybody's in Christ, they're a new creation, a new beginning, a brand new start. Everything's passed away. Everything becomes new. You can have a clean slate today. So if that's you on three, I just want you to shoot your hand up high enough, long enough at every campus. You can let us know there in the chat. If that's you on three, you just shoot it up. One, two, three. You just shoot it up high enough, long enough for us to see. Then you can put it down. Church, let's pray this out loud, boldly for the benefit of those who had the courage to slip their hand up. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, 
Everybody said a big amen. 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 Come on, let's put our hands together for those who made that decision. Incredible. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.